Hey, if you have a Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be actually spending the next three weeks in Acts chapter 2. We're going to dive in today. We're going to come straight back to it next week and straight back to it again the week after that. Um, Because I really want to spend the opening sermon series of this year trying to answer this question, what, what is church? What's the biblical vision for church? What does it mean to be a church? And trying to define that clearly and purposefully, and how does that carry out through what God's calling us to be here at First Baptist Portales? Because, and I think I've used this exact example before, so if I have, pardon me, but have you guys ever known something to be true, but you never, you just can't rectify that truth in your own mind? This is me every time I go to like a taco truck where the person doesn't really speak English, and I go up and I order two taquitos, and they don't understand what I'm saying because I don't speak Spanish too good. Um, and so rather than trying to like overcome that barrier by learning Spanish, I just speak louder. Does anybody try to? You just louder and slower. Like that's gonna. So, I know factually, right, that if I'm gonna communicate with this person, it would be a lot better if I would learn to say taquitos. That that would that would help the conversation. But in my Tennessee mind, I still just want to yell taquitos louder, like that's going to fix the problem. I know it's not true, but my brain still has a hard time rectifying that. Do you guys ever do anything like that? Like you know something's true, but you've had a hard time coming to grips with with that truth? I I think this is how the church is with the word church a lot of times. Because you've all heard this before. How many many of you have heard, the church is not the building? Have you guys heard that saying before? Multiple times, I'm sure, right? How many of you this very morning said, all right, it's time to go to church? Because I did, you know, every, every Sunday morning. Hey, I drive, I get here before Haley, so I'll give her a kiss goodbye, and I'll say, okay, I'm heading to church. And, and yeah, like, I don't mean the building, but at the same time, it kind of carries the context of the building with it. And so what, what I've learned is we kind of, in, in a way, have this problem where the word church has taken on so many multiple nuanced meanings depending on the context. So while we all can affirm and say the church is not the building, we still talk about it as if it's the building, right? You, I'm going, I got to stop by the church today. I need to run by, you mean this building, right? We, we still talk about it that way. Or uh, we'll use church as if it's the, the worship service. You ever left a worship service and said, man, we had church today. You ever said anything like that? So church is a reference to like what we're doing right now, this very hour. Or sometimes the word church is a reference to just Christianity as, as a whole. So uh, the, the church needs to do a better job of sharing the good news with the world. Well, what church? Well, all, all the churches. We're just using the word church to describe all of Christianity. Uh, sometimes, right, it's just a particular Christian community. So First Baptist Church, right? It's our particular community. And, and with all this nuance, packed into a little six-letter word, we're sure to find some misunderstandings from time to time that lead to confusion, right? So I'll never, I'll never forget, I was probably in middle school, and I was sitting in a sermon, and the pastor was preaching about heaven. And he was talking about how great heaven's going to be and how wonderful, and it's just indescribably good. And then he, he said, heaven will be like church for the rest of eternity. That, that's what he said. That's what he said. And so for me, the, the definition that I hear in that point of church is church is this hour-long service that we're in right now. So what he said was heaven will be like church for the rest of eternity. What I hear is heaven will be like sitting in a pew forever. Did you guys ever have that vision of heaven like growing up? That like heaven was like being in church? Because maybe you did and maybe you're like, that sounds fun, but I'll just be honest. Even now as a pastor, I'm like, I really don't want to do that. Like, 
I love church. I love being in here. I don't want to do this for 15,000 hours and eternity. Like, let's, let's do it for an hour, and then let's go do other stuff that we can do to the glory of God. So why, why did I think that? Because I have misinformation about how to define church. Well, n- number one, right, there may be some misinformation about how to really understand that, that heaven is this eternal perfection living with God, um, and it's not just some sort of cosmic worship service where you have to listen to a seven-year-long sermon. It's, it's more than that. There's living and eating and life together and glory and goodness and perfection and all of that. So, so we have to understand that. But what led to the misunderstanding of that for me was the misunderstanding of church. And I think sometimes there's this misunderstanding of church as it's just, it's the thing you do for an hour a week on a Sunday morning, uh, or it's, it's the building that you come to, and we know that that's not the real definition of church, and that's not in the Bible. But over the next three weeks, I really want to get in and focus on that second misunderstanding and seek to really define what is the biblical vision of church and what is the biblical definition of church? What are we trying to be as First Baptist Church of Portales? What has God called us to be? And to do that, we're going to look into Acts chapter 2, which in Acts chapter 2, that's kind of the very first description off the top. Luke is going to describe what the very first church looked like. So let me kind of set up some context of that. My, my hope is, as we go through this, We can really define what God wants us to do as First Baptist Church of Portales and who God wants us to be, and we can see great things happen through just following the model God's already laid out in Scripture. So let me set up context. You you probably know Acts pretty well, but just a reminder, Acts chapter 1 gives us just this quick little glimpse at at the time between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. Um, We don't get very many texts that talk about this time, but this is one of the few texts that we're going to get. And it's this amazing, wonderful time of Scripture, which it has to be, right? Because uh, imagine what it would be like if you literally watched a guy be brutally murdered in front of you and buried in a grave, and then like seven days later he shows up for dinner. It's going to be a pretty spectacular dinner. It's not going to be one you're going to forget very easily. And so this is that time frame in Acts chapter 1. Uh, Jesus has died, been buried, but he's come back from the dead, and he keeps meeting with his disciples and telling them all these things. And, and so in Acts chapter 1, he's, he's meeting with them, and he says in chapter 4, hey, don't, don't depart for, from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. He's, we're doing something. Get ready. I do find it completely interesting that Jesus' first command is wait, and I think there's a whole sermon series in itself right there, but we won't go into that right now. Um, and, and so the, po- the apostles are trying to make sense of all of this. What, what's Jesus doing? What's going to happen? You know, he was dead seven days ago, and now he's alive. What, what is going on? And so they ask him, Jesus, is, is this when you're restoring Israel to its like, place as a nation? And that's what they intended the Messiah, that's what they thought the Messiah was going to do the whole time. So is this finally the time that you're coming in and taking over and throwing out the Romans and setting all this up? And do you know what Jesus' answer is? Don't worry about it. That's not your concern. I'm not interested in that right now. He says, don't, that, the concern about times and dates, don't worry about that. And he says, he comes out and says, worry about what the Father is going to do. And this is, I think, Jesus' way of hinting to them about how things were going to be much bigger than what they could ever imagine. That the scale and the scope of what God was going to do was far beyond what they could ever even imagine. And so he gives them this classic command in Acts 1, chapter 8, where he says, wait, and when the time comes, you'll receive the power of the Spirit. It's going to empower you to be my witnesses. And he, he marches them out, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, end of the earth. Um, 
And then Acts 2 is the fulfillment of that promise. So you jump over to Acts chapter 2, and this is how the whole thing's going to begin. They're obeying by just waiting, and suddenly there's this thing like the rushing of wind, and there's tongues like fire dancing over their heads, and all of this is wonderful Old Testament symbolism that's dealing with the Hebrew word ruach and spirit and what God's doing with all of that. And so what what do they do once the spirit empowers them? Well, they fulfill the promise of Acts 1-8, and they go and they bear witness to Jesus. They head out into the streets of Jerusalem. It's, It's Pentecost, right? So Jerusalem is already very crowded with people from all across the known world. There's people from Egypt and all these other places. They don't even speak the same languages. And so the disciples run up, and they start telling everybody about who this man Jesus is and what it means and they're speaking in all these different languages that they don't even know. And it's like some sort of holy chaos in a way. And it's this wonderful thing. Uh, in fact, some people even start accusing them of being drunk. They say, what is going on? Are these guys drunk? And I love Peter's opening statement because Peter takes this as this opportunity to stand up and preach. And he preaches the very first ever Christian sermon. And he starts out with, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And I just, I think there's humor in that, right? Like, Let's, let's reason with, with this. Uh, but then he launches into this sermon. And what's, this, what's the whole sermon about? It's the gospel, right? The whole sermon is about who Jesus is, what happened to him on the cross, how he resurrected, and how he is now the Messiah that fulfilled all the promises in the Old Testament. That's the whole message. And then in verse 41, they're going to come in and say, okay, Peter, if this is all true, what, what do we do about it? And so Peter answers them. Hey, repent of your sins, be baptized, and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized that day, and about 3,000 people were added to them. And I think, as a pastor, I love this verse, and at the same time, it stresses me out. Like, can you imagine, like, you just start this movement, you get up and give a sermon, and 3,000 people, like, what's the process of even baptizing 3,000 people And how tired would you be from doing this? And so the church starts, right? No policy, no building, no finance committee, no seminary degrees, no church planning conference, just 3,000 plus people wondering what's next. This is what we're starting with, with the opening church. And then Luke's gonna come in in Acts Acts chapter two, verse 42, and he's just going to give you a quick glimpse into the daily life of the early church. He's, he's saying, hey, this, this is what it was like. So let me read that, and this is where we're going to build from over the next three weeks. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they, this is the 3,000 plus people that have come to faith and have dedicated themselves to Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, of, uh, to, the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common, and they sold their possessions and property, and distributed all the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Father God, I just pray that you would help us to see through this glimpse of the startup of this movement we still have the wonderful pleasure of of being a part of. Uh, Help us to see what you're calling us to be as a church and what you're calling us to do as individuals as a part of that body. Thank you for what you do in it all. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So remember the two questions. What's the biblical vision for church? 
And what's the biblical definition of church? That's what we're going to seek to to do. So I'm going to do two things today. You'll notice if you're a notes taker, um, we're, we're going to do two things. There's a lot of bl- fill in the blanks, so you get to do that today. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, we're going to start off by talking about just a general uh, kind of thesis statement for this series, and we're going to come back to that over the next three weeks and build the series off of that. And then we'll step in and focus today on the word devoted. So if, if you are a note taker, go ahead and do two, two, three things for me. You'll notice up here I have this series called Routine Church. And in your bulletin on the back, I have it called Habitual Church. So just full disclosure for kind of how I go about writing sermons and doing things, uh, usually throughout the week I'll find a time and I'll go sit in David's office and I'll say, hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's the words I'm thinking about using. Um, And so I'm wanting to play off that word devoted and and divide it and and kind of explain it in a new form way. And I came up with the word habitual. And he's like, I get it. I really think the word habitual is kind of negative context though, so I don't know if I would do it. But, you know, I get it. I was like, okay, fair enough. So I make the bulletin on Thursday, and then Thursday evening, Haley and I are going to drive. We drove to Socorro to do a wedding back in Socorro. And so I'm telling her the same thing. I'm thinking about using the word habitual, and she says, well, I think habitual's got a negative context to it. So long story short, it changed between when I printed the bulletin and now. You can change the word habitual anytime you've seen it to the word routine, okay? That's just cross out habitual, put routine. It'll be good to go from, from there. Now you kind of see the inner workings of how this all comes to be. Um, and then we'll connect all of that to this display here at the end, right? So let's, let's talk about this, this thesis that I've come up with. We're going to start uh, with, with Acts chapter 2 and carry this through. So what is the church? The church is, and the first blank, is a group of spirit-filled people. That, that's the very first thing I just want to very quickly highlight. And this is something that's going to come up over and over again this year. Just in, in May, we're going to do an entire sermon series over what it means to be spirit-filled all throughout the month of May. So the church is a group of spirit-filled people. This is Peter's promise in verse 38 that if they would repent and they would come to Christ, that they would be forgiven, and then what would happen? They would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how many of these 3,000 people have the gift of the Holy Spirit? All of them, right? That's not something that's reserved to a particular person or a pastor or an apostle. This is something that's available to everyone, and this is a credited point of the early church, that it would be a group of spirit-filled people. I think scripture presents salvation in tandem with the filling of the spirit. It's two things that go hand in hand together. So when I say spirit-filled, which we'll be using this word a lot this year, uh, I'm not talking chaotic, mystical, running up and down the aisles or hitting someone over the head with a Bible. And what, I'm not talking about any of that, and, and nor do I think the Bible is talking about that. When I'm using the word spirit-filled, I'm talking about this ever-present reality that the God of the universe himself takes up residence within us and then begins to change us and and change the way we think about things and and the way we think about how we love our neighbors and how we forgive one another and how we treat our money and our resources. That's what being spirit-filled is, and it's empowering us to then do what? Acts 1.8, be witnesses. This, This is what the early church is being built on. So to think differently, act differently in a powerful way, which results in pointing others to Jesus. So the church is a group of spirit-filled people doing what? And it's this focused on Jesus. Church is a group of spirit-filled people focused on Jesus. What's Peter's entire sermon about? Jesus, right? So if you look just quickly at verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. It's this group of people that they are all together focused on 
Jesus. That Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. He's come and he's conquered as the promised messianic king. And when they ask him how they should respond, the answer is, turn it all over to the king. Focus on him. Believe in him. Worship him. And I say all that to say this. The church is a community of people gathered around one person. We're not gathered around a generic life philosophy. We're not centered around or focused on a religion or a set of traditions. We're not centered around or focused on a particular political party. We're not centered around or focused on a specific nation or a specific people group. We are centered around and focused on one person. That's Jesus, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, returned as the Messiah, King of the world. That's the unifying factor of the church. That's what we stand on. That's what we stand to be true. The, group, the church is a group of spirit-filled believers focused on Jesus. Now, all of this is kind of preamble stuff. After this, we're going to get into the specifics of what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. So, in a way which leads to, so the church is a group of spirit-filled people focused on Jesus in a way which leads to, and I'm just going to start with the word routine. So this is where I was going to use the word habitual. I changed it to, to routine. And what I'm playing on is this, this word Devoted. And we'll talk about that in detail here in a little bit as we talk about that. But if you look at verse 42, this is a group of people that they create these routines of devotion to four particular things. Devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so if we take those four things, if you take the first one, apostles' teaching, and the last one, which is prayer, those are two specifically related things to our relationship with God, Right? So they're devoted to their relationship with God. I'm going to say it this way. It leads to a routine learning about God. So, so this early church, they are just routinely, consistently devoted to learning about who God is, what God declares to be true, how the gospel impacts life, how the gospel changes how we think about the food we eat and where we go and how we treat others. All of this is part of the early church. It's in its DNA. We're learning about God on a routine basis and then we can add another one in there because if those two, apostles teaching and prayer, are about God, then what's fellowship and breaking bread? That, that's horizontal. That's you and I, right? So we're, we're dedicated to a routine learning about God and a routine living together. Just living life in unity, in community, together. And what is the result of all of this if you look in verse 47? So they're praising God, right, learning about God, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people living together. And what does God do? Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So what is the result of fulfilling this? I think it's community impact. So here, here's our thesis statement that we're working with over the next three weeks. The church is a group of spirit-filled people focused on Jesus in a way which leads to a routine learning about God and a routine living together resulting in community impact. Do you, do you agree? Do you think that's an accurate representation from Acts chapter 2 over what the church exists to do? And there's obviously a million things we could go into with this. But this is what we're going to be building with and talking about over the next few weeks. But there's the big overview. Right now, I want to focus on this word, devoted. So verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I love this because when you think about what's the very first action the church takes? What's the very first verb attributed to the church? It's the word devoted. 
they, they devote themselves to something. Now, the thing that happens, I think, over the last kind of 2,000 years is as some of churchy things have normalized, some of the churchy words we use have normalized. And when normalized words get used, they rarely get explained. And so we just end up with this church lingo that you may or may not know what it means. So I, I think devotion's kind of one of those words because if, if I say to you, right, hey, how's, how's your devotion going? What do, you, what do you picture? You probably picture how's that time that you're supposed to wake up every day and read the Bible for a few minutes and pray going? Is that when you hear the word devotion or devotional, is that what you guys think? That's what I think when I hear the word devotion or, or devotional. And, and that's a good thing. Please, please don't mishear me. Yeah, please do that. But that's not what Luke's talking about here. He's not talking about a particular time that you open up your Bible and pray. There is an intentionality behind this word devotion. It's this idea of devoting yourself to a particularly newly formed group. Luke's way of describing how this newly formed group of people marked themselves with newly formed routines generated as a response to the good news of the gospel. Saying, hey, because they so much believed in Jesus, it changed the routines of their life. They started doing new things. They started doing different things. They started doing things no one else in the world was doing. They devoted themselves. They, they changed the routines for what they were doing. So if we then build that into the purpose of the church, what does the church exist for? Well, the church exists then to foster this new sort of routine lifestyle. The church exists to foster a routine lifestyle trying to set up new routines in your life and trying to help you and you help me to define what these new routines mean and how we follow Christ in all of this. Because here's the thing, whether you do this intentionally or not, you already are fostering some sort of routine in your life. You either have already have it very set in stone, it's the New Year's though, right? So sometimes you come up with New Year's resolutions. And what's those resolutions? It's typically to, to edit one of your routines. So I want to add the routine of eating healthy. I want to add the routine of exercising. I want to add whatever it may be. You're, you're constantly trying to edit and form these routines. And, and that's just how we, we live life. So hopefully you have some already pretty pre-established routines. That I, I won't ask you to raise your hand on this one. But uh, hopefully you have the routine of brushing your teeth every morning. Right? That, that's hopefully a routine for you. Um, maybe you have the routine of drinking coffee in the mornings. And we all have these. And you can tell a lot about somebody based off of the routines in which they live. Because it tells a lot about how they spend their time and what they believe is important and how they spend their money. That routines are doing a lot to define an identity. So what marks this church as they begin a new life in new individual and new collective routines? Well, it's this person named Jesus that Jesus of Nazareth redefines all of their routines, and the church is helping them to foster these routines. And Luke gives four things, right? We, we talked about that. And we're going to break those four things down into two general focuses over the next few weeks. But let me just say, we as First Baptist Portalis, I as your pastor, I, I want to create this environment, this community, where you can join with us and, and come alongside us and put into practice these new routines of a Jesus-focused community. That, that here at First Baptist, you're going to find a place where you can routinely come and just learn about God. Just on a regular basis, I'm going to come and learn about God. So you're going to routinely learn about God, and then at the same time, you can routinely come and live together and do things together, and we'll break those two things down in detail over the next two weeks. 
But here's, here's my point in all of this, and, and here's what I'm wanting us to try to, try to accomplish. Um, think, think of it like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something totally different again. I know this is going to become somewhat normal here. I'm about to walk further away from my notes than I've ever walked in a sermon because I'm, I'm going to go hang out up there with a the drum set. Is that okay with you, Dalton? Can I, can I touch the drum set? Um, so I, I've never been this far away from my notes. I'm really scared of, of that. So bear, bear with me here. We're going we're gonna to try this out. Um, so what, what I want us to do as a church, can you still hear me through? Because I can't hear you at all now. Okay, good. I got a thumbs up. So, so what we're trying to do as a church, right, is we're setting up these routines that every week on a Sunday morning you can come worship. You can get used to what it means to worship God on Sunday. And on Monday night, I think this is harder than what I thought it was going to be. And then on Monday night, you can come to Ladies Bible Study and learn about God at Bible Study. And on Tuesday night, if you want, you can come to Celebrate Recovery and learn what God's doing through Celebrate Recovery and how to give your life and trust him with Hooks, uh, what is it, addiction, hang-ups, and, and then on Wednesday night, you can come to midweek and worship with us and learn about God at midweek or sing in the choir and live life together. We're doing these routine things as a church, right? And here's the cool thing. You get to start adding stuff in on your own as you learn about God. If you want to add in a personal Bible study, do it. You can add in a... And you start doing this stuff, right? And the more you add into this routine, I got to refocus all this now, the more you can... You, you can start making, you, you understand what I'm saying through all, through all of this. Thank you, Dalton, for letting me use, use all of that. Yeah. We're, we're building, thank you. That's, uh, I worked years on that, so, you know. Here's, here's my point in all of this, though. We want to make this a place, we want to foster an environment where the gospel is so prevalent and so real and so tangible that you can't help but want to come and learn how does this affect the way I see the world? How does this affect the way I treat my family? How does this affect the way I raise my children? How does this affect the way I interact with my coworkers? And when you miss, right, anybody since snow last week, anybody just feel all out of routine because you missed last, last Sunday? It happens, right? When you miss routine, it's noticeable. You ever somehow just leave the house without brushing your teeth? It feels gross. I, I don't, like, you notice that. And so we're wanting to foster this place where you can come and study and learn and love about God. And as we do that, we do that because we, we believe that Jesus of Nazareth really existed. We believe that he really fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. We believe that he really lived a, a perfect life when we could not, that he really gave up that life on a cross to take on our sins and in return, grant us his righteousness. And we, we believe that he did all of this, not just so that you can go to heaven when you die. Yes, that, that's a big part of the gospel. Don't mishear me. But if the gospel is just a get out of hell free card, you're wasting a lot of time and money being here. Just, just go live life until you get there. But the gospel brings all this extra stuff about how we view the world and how we see what God's doing. It's, it's so we can start living in this new reality with these new routines and these new ways of thinking and this new life that nothing else in the world can ever offer. That no philosophy, no worldview, nothing else can offer a routine life like this because it changes everything. So I'm going to give you just two, two invitations. The, the first invitation is maybe you just... Philip, I need to make these routines a little bit more in my life. You know, Sunday's been the one-hour thing I come, but I, I'm realizing that I need to make that even more important. And, and I want to 
I want to dedicate to making that more a routine. And maybe you're not a member of the church, and that's just a way that you can come in and say, I want to commit to the, to the routine of this church's life, and I want to join in worship, and I want to join in Bible study, and I want to join in life together. And if you want to do that, talk to me. We'll, we'll find ways to make that work and connect. Or maybe for the first time you're saying, Philip, I've been trying to do this all on my own, and I've never really looked at the world through the lens of the gospel, and I need to come put my faith in Christ for the first time. Come, come talk to me. But for the rest of you that's already been a part of this church for years, and you love this church, and you love the routine that we have, and you want to seek to foster that and grow, one of the things we're going to be doing this year, and this is where the, the thing comes in, is we're going to start to look at celebrating some of the, the key results that I think happen because we live in routine together. So if you'll remember, on the front of your bulletin, you'll have a little mission statement, right? This is something that I preached through last year. We, we talked in detail about these these mission statements. First Baptist Church is a life-giving community of spirit-filled believers rooted in the gospel so that Portalis may belong to Christ. And we've taken this mission statement and we built five core values out of this mission statement. Core value of, of life-giving. Yeah, you can see it up here, life-giving. We, we want to be a church that, man, we believe that God is a life-giving God. We believe the gospel is a life-giving gospel. We want to follow that and be a life-giving church. We want to encourage people. We want to love people. We want to serve people. We want people who are dealing with broken and hard situations in life to come in and find that, that God is bigger and stronger and, and can just give life to those situations. We want to do that. But we know that's only possible through the gospel. There is no life-giving if it isn't for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins. So we want to make sure even while we're life-giving, we're completely gospel-rooted. We're taking everything that the gospel says and looking at the world through those lenses. And we know that whenever we believe in that gospel that the spirit fills us and we want to continually be surrendering, our, surrendering ourselves to that spirit and asking that spirit for forgiveness and the filling to empower us to be witnesses to Fortalis and the world around us, giving us the wisdom and the knowledge to know who to talk to, when to talk to them, how to participate in this rhythmic lifestyle of following Christ. And as we do that, we trust that we can do that together in community to belong to one another. That brings up belong, the idea of then inviting other people to come and belong. So, so here's what we're going to be doing with this for the rest of this year. This will be up here for the next two weeks. We're going to take it and put it kind of somewhere over here. It's going to be, always be in the front of the sanctuary, though. And any time, in any time that you just feel like, man, one of those five core values, I saw that filled in my life through First Baptist Portalis, we're going to invite you to, to celebrate that. So let me just give you an example, and we'll close with this. Uh, many, many of you know that Haley and I have been in the uh, adoption process for quite some time now, a um, bit over a year or about a year. And so we've uh, particularly been going through a thing called embryo adoption. Um, and, and not to get too detailed, but that's when a couple who did IVF have leftover embryos. They can donate that and uh, we'll, uh, carry, Haley will carry that child and give birth. They won't have any genetic ties to us, but uh, we're, we're planning on doing that. And so uh, when we started this whole process, we were talking to the adoption agent and they gave us, we have on our refrigerator this whole timeline. And it was like, hey, matching and it's going to take four to five months. Um, and then you're going to go through contract and it's going to take this long and all this other stuff is going to take this long and this long and this long. And so uh, we would carry this, particularly to our midweeks on Wednesday nights to the people that would come and say, hey, would you guys pray for us about this? We're excited. We know there's going to be a lot of time, um, but just would you pray for us? And so you did, plenty of you. And those of you that didn't even, didn't even get to come to midweeks, I know you've been praying for us in this. Um, and we got matched in two weeks. Like, 
what was supposed to take four, four to six months took two weeks. I don't know what that is if that's not God answering prayers. Yeah. If that's not God saying, God answering your prayers on behalf of us. That's what that is. And so now already you guys have stepped in and done so many other things. And so what you've done, whether you know it or not, is you've you've become a life-giving community to Haley and I. That we found so much joy in this church as you've loved us and prayed for us and encouraged us. And so what, what I do then is to celebrate that I get to be a part of a church that's given me life. So I can take this and just drop it in. That's it. You just drop it in to celebrate it. And, and maybe it's one of those types of stories. Maybe there's a story of gospel rooted that you just, man, I feel so connected to God right now. I've, I've got to study him and love his word. And I just want to celebrate what I've learned today. And you can drop a gospel rooted. Or maybe the, the Holy Spirit does something over the weekend. You do something totally uncharacteristic. You, you actually, like, you have a full-fledged gospel conversation with your waitress. And you're like, I would have never done that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit calling me to do it. But just any time on a, on a Sunday before church, after church, during invitation, whenever, and you're just thinking one of those things was fulfilled. I, I felt a part of a community, and I've missed that. I, I invited a friend to come and belong, and, and they came. Anytime, you can define it however you want. But come up here and just drop one of these stones and the according little thing next to it. And over the course of the year, we're going to see what God's doing. And each one of these little marbles, little stones, are going to represent a story of us fulfilling what God has called us to be as a church as we routinely learn about God and routinely live together and trust what God is doing through First Baptist Church of Portales. So as we, we close out, um, I'm going to have Wayne come up, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to do uh, one more song. Maybe you want to come up, and there's one of these things that you're already like, man, i got to drop that in. I, I am so excited. That's a wonderful story. If you want to come do it right now, come do it. That's awesome. I would love to see it. Um, maybe you just want to say, Philip, I need to make better routines out of these things. I want to commit to that. Uh, if you want to come up and talk to me, I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you need to do it all for the first time. But this is going to be us as a church this year, seeking to routinely be a place where people can come learn about God and live together, which results in a life-giving, gospel-rooted, spirit-filled community where people can belong. We're going to trust that God can fill that. And as it says in Acts 2:47, add to that as we follow him. Let me pray. God, thank you for letting us study your word and celebrate what you're doing here at First Baptist Portales. I, I am personally beyond grateful of the people you've placed in this church that have unconditionally loved for and prayed for and celebrated me and my wife, and all of that is glory to you. To watch you answer prayers, we, God, I'm so grateful. And God, I know there are countless other stories in this room even now of people that can just celebrate what what you've done through First Baptist Portales. So help us this year as we seek to make routines out of learning about you and living together to really form us into the church you've created us to be, that we would see great things happen, not because of our own abilities, but all because of the gospel of Christ and the love you've poured out. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.